بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Last night we briefly covered the, the beginning of the life of the Prophet وسلم, and some important figures uh, especially at the beginning uh, stages of his life his mother Amina uh, her servant Baraka who is from East Africa and uh, and Halima al-Sa'diya, who was from one of the, the local Bedouin tribes, you could say. And they had this custom where if they could, within cities like Mecca, then they would want to have their young children go with these Bedouin tribes for a variety of reasons, for the benefit of, of the child. So this was essentially the beginning of the life of the Prophet for a number of years, وسلم, And then eventually he returns to the, uh, to the, the custody of his mother, Amina, in Mecca. And... It's, it's important for us to realize this is a very heavily tribal society. Your tribe, your family is basically everything. Before the Prophet is born, وسلم, his father passes away. So he never met his father. And then when he's at the age of six, his mother passes away. And then he ends up under the guardianship of his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib. And then after about two years or so, his grandfather passes away. Then he ends up living in the house of his, his uncle, his father's, one of his father's uh, brothers, uh, Abu Talib. So he lives with him for a number of years. So you notice from the beginning, there's quite a bit of hardship, especially when you look at the context of the society, where your, your tribe, your family is extremely important, and he's growing up as an orphan, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And you notice this through the life of the Prophet, when he goes through a hardship later on, when he has the chance to help other people going through that same hardship, he doesn't forget where he came from, and he tries to help them. I mean, we have numerous hadith, and even ayat in the Qur'an, verses in the Qur'an, that encourage us to take care of orphans, which is something good to do just as a human being. But then you have the extra layer that our Prophet was an orphan, so that's an extra layer of motivation for us to want to help orphans. To, to, to follow in the footsteps of the Prophet because when, when he could afford it basically when, when he, as he grew up and he could do what he could to support the poor, the orphans, the needy then he would because he knew what it was like he, he was familiar with that pain and he tried to turn those lemons into lemonade for, for other people so he grows up and he starts to go with his uncle Abu Talib on these different trading routes uh, in the summer they would go to Syria and then in the winter they would go they would go to Yemen so he got, he got you know he started to gain experience as a merchant and eventually Sayyidah Khadija and it's important for us to understand that by this point by this point she had been married twice before by this point she had been married twice before and she also had children before she eventually married the Prophet she hears that there's this, you know, the, this trustworthy business person, basically, and, and you know, you can trust him with your business, with your goods. He, he's solid. He's a sadiq al-amin, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So you notice something. The prophet, he's trying his best to, to focus on what he can focus on, to control what he can control. He can't control everything in the society, but what he can control is himself and his character. And so he decided to focus on that, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And the result of that was his character would shine more and more. And so she heard that there's this really awesome, honest business person you can trust him, you know, when because she would she had she had quite a bit of wealth, and she would 
basically, she wouldn't travel herself for these different business trips. She would hire people to basically trade on her behalf and they would get their cut and then she would get her profit as well. But she didn't always have the best experiences with these people. You need someone you can trust. And so she hires him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he goes and one of her servants, Maysara, uh, accompanies him. And then after that trip, they go to Syria, they come back. And after that trip, she's asking Maysara, because you learn, as we know, as Sayyidina Umar, he, he highlighted you know, very accurately, you think you know someone, but you don't really know someone unless you work with them, unless you travel with them, unless you live with them. Either living with them or maybe if they're your neighbors. Something related to your living conditions. Something related to your residence. And through these different experiences, you learn a lot about people, perhaps for better and perhaps for worse. So she asks Maysara about how things went, and he's just going on and on about how amazing and honest this person was. And on top of that, look at the barakah in his character. Look at the barakah in honesty, period, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He actually ended up making more than what was anticipated. Allah put barakah in his honesty, in his ethics, in general, especially in, in the marketplace, which of all places, that's probably where people are going to you know, mess around as it, relate, as it relates to their honesty and their ethics. But for him, that was not the case, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was a sadiq al-ameen through and through 24-7, alayhi salatu wasalam. So she's asking Maysara about how things went, and he's telling her, you know, all these wonderful things about him. And these are things that he saw firsthand because he was part of that, part of that business trip, right? And a business trip then was different than many business trips now. It wasn't, you fly out on Friday, you come back on Sunday. Fly out on Monday, come back on Friday. I mean, we're talking much longer, right? Pre-technology going all the way up to Syria and all the way back, all the way up to Sham and back. And so he's going on and on. And, and Sayyidah Khadija, she also noticed things herself. And she decided, notice something. She decided that she would send a proposal to him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. At that time, that was out of the ordinary, you could say. And even until now, oftentimes that is out of the ordinary. But she saw what she needed to see and she knew what she needed to know. And she, she didn't shy away right, from being the one to initiate. So she mentioned to one of her friends to basically be the middle person to go and talk to the Prophet to see if there's any interest. She mentions it to her friend. Her friend goes and talks to the Prophet and asks him, are you looking to get married? By this time, he's 25. And look at his response, right? A lot of our younger brothers can relate to this. We ask Allah to make things easy for them and for everyone in general. She, she asks, so this is the, 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 the middle person now, the mutual friend you could say. So she asked the Prophet, are you looking to get married? And what was his response? I can't afford it. I can't afford to get married. And she says, what if that wasn't an issue? He says, what do you mean? And she explains to him that, you know, she had talked to Khadija and she was interested. And so basically things, they worked out and they ended up get, getting married. On top of that, it wasn't just that she, because when, when it comes to the Prophet ﷺ, certain norms, right? They, they, those rules that we oftentimes, we, we think they're concrete, they're, they're hard as steel. They start to bend because the Prophet is the Prophet ﷺ. Because he's different, ﷺ. And Sayyidah Khadija recognized that and she didn't want someone else to, you know, to, 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 to make an offer or this and that. She had her mind made up. There, there, there was the, the, uh, the, the offer and, and, and he accepted it and they ended up getting married. We also know that she was older than him. The common number that's mentioned is that she was 40, he was 25. Another opinion is, is that she was 28, he was 25. That the point isn't necessarily the number. The point is 
the fact that she was also older than him. She had been married twice before him. She had children before him. If you think about it nowadays, if you look at both of them from both of their perspectives, from her perspective, he's not really wealthy. He's an orphan. He grew up as an orphan. He doesn't have much going for him other than actually the most important thing, which is his heart, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then from his perspective, for, for, for her, right, she's older than him. She had been married not once, but twice before she had kids before him. So if you apply that not just to standards in society nowadays, within the Muslim community, how many people, right, would actually turn down these different offers? He has amazing character. He has an amazing heart. He has, you know, X, Y, and Z working for him, But nowadays we say, okay, but what about, let's prioritize these other things first. Yes, there are other factors. We understand that. But the point is, do we take these stories and really reflect on them? Or do we just learn them and we teach our kids and then they ask good questions and hard questions, but then we tell them answers that wouldn't really apply when you look at the actual example of the Prophet now, of course, everyone has their own situation, but the point is we want to reflect and we want to ask ourselves, why are we so deeply wedded, pun intended, right, to these different ideas that we've created? The man has to be older, right? The man has to be a millionaire with four PhDs before he even thinks about getting married. How is that going to be possible, especially in the time and place that we live in? And then from her perspective, she's very wealthy. He's not... He's not even close. She hired him, radiallahu anha. But the main thing within each of them was the heart of the person. That was the main thing. There were other things, but that was, that was the main thing that was there. They end up getting married, and they end up having six kids uh, during the course of their marriage. But for us, what we want to do, we want to reflect on these stories and ask ourselves, why are we so connected to certain societal ideas when it doesn't necessarily have to always be that way? Right? What if there's a perfectly good person? I'll conclude with this. A perfectly good person interested in marrying someone. And this happens all the time. And the hypocrisy in the Muslim community oftentimes runs very deep, unfortunately. Someone is interested in marrying someone. The norm in this society is to, to go and date and do whatever else. We'll keep it PG. You get the idea. That's the norm. By the, I have students, and they mention that in second grade, they have classmates who have boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. They start them young, subhanAllah. So there, there's this huge battle. And then let's say things get to a point where they're two good people. Good people, everything is good. Right? They get to a point, work is good, school is good, the character is good, deen is good, all these things are good. But then someone is interested in the other person. And sometimes, what's the first question? Where are they from? Forget deen for, and forget everything else. Where are they from? Oh, they're from, from that place. Oh, they're from a different country? No, this isn't going to work. SubhanAllah. Look at, look at the example of the Prophet, Sophia. Ethnically, she was Jewish. Religiously, she was Jewish and she converted to Islam. Maria al-Qibtiya. Maria the Egyptian. She was Egyptian, which was it. Now we consider it all to be Arab. At that time, they were Coptic. That was a different ethnicity, basically. But the, the, the Prophet saw things differently, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we ask Allah to grant us Lenses that really reflect Iman. We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us. We ask Allah to turn all of our hardships into ease and especially for those looking to get married. We ask Allah to make things easy for them. We ask Allah to open doors in ways they, in ways they expect and also in ways they would not expect. Good doors. We ask Allah to open those good doors for them. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.